0: Hey, what's up, everyone out there? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Addicted Fishing Podcast. we got kind of a pretty pretty important topic that we're going to talk about tonight. But before we do that, we just want to shout out to Nick Wax. Thanks so much for sponsoring this podcast. If you guys haven't checked out Nick Wax, it is a waterproofing material that you can wash and restore your Gore-Tex material out there with. Keep you dry on the water. So thanks so much, Nick Wax. We appreciate you. And, we, and read the directions. And read the directions. <laughs> we talked about in the last <laughs> podcast. We're not going to go down that. That's but we are going to go down an important topic and I want a lot of the people out there. I know we have people all over the country that are not necessarily in the
1: Northwest, but this,
0: these kind of issues will impact you someday too in any wow. way, shape, or form. I mean, as fishermen, we're constantly under attack.
1: It's more of a, of a, of a supportive thing that for any sportsman that needs, you need to look at it as a, a, in regards to where as a sportsman and your rights and just supporting the outdoors and the the recreation that we get to be involved in is more important almost than, than what they're trying to do here by protecting it, which is destroying it. So,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, basically what's happening around here guys is, you know, we have a situation where there's a small area that we have upcoming steelhead season. If you guys have been listening or following addicted for a long time, you know, we love our steelhead. And uh, really what's happening is for, you know, WDFW is coming out with some forecasts on the Washington coast on a lot of very popular, awesome steelhead streams that are just honestly they're just coming in under forecast this year and you know we'll get into the nitty-gritty on kind of why that's happening and for the last 25 years it seems like half the time they're above forecast and half the time they're below forecast but at the end of the day we're having we're facing some very 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 stringent restrictions uh coming up here and one thing i want to kind of talk about and the way it kind of Everyone thinks, well, shoot, it's on the Washington coast. Well, I live up the Columbia river or I live in the Puget Sound, or I or live I in live Oregon. In great lakes. Or I live in great lakes. Like really it, it is a, it is an issue that does affect everybody because a lot of guys travel out here to fish all that. Yeah. Absolutely. And if those restrictions happen, I mean, I've already talked to, well, I don't want to get into that, but let's just say, you know what, at the end of the day, when they close those steelhead fisheries down, people move, people move to where, Certain things are going on, and certain opportunities are available. That's where people go, it's and gonna... so it does affect people that not necessarily aren't on the Washington coast, as this particular issue is affecting them now.
1: Especially with economic constraint, like that's already happening in the, in the country and in the, our local areas. Like they're going to take away another source of revenue, and 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 I mean, it's the people's way of life in these areas. What they've done for a hundred years, literally, and in um, an activity that is so far proving to be listen to say it covid friendly yeah and very beneficial very it's, and beneficial it's, it's very beneficial for people's mental health uh for feeding themselves i mean mm-hmm. for anything that's why these programs are put in place it's also the basis
0: of their the some of these rules that they're trying to use that's what i want to understand more cam because basically what you're telling me is they think if you fish right. out so of a boat you're more effective <laughs> than you are on the bank and i could tell you one thing if you i'm on the bank five times more effective on a boat I can smash some fish on and the
2: Yes, bay. you can because you're Marlin. <laughs> I can't say it middle name La Fever. Yeah, but
0: what I'm saying is it don't matter if I got a boat or not.
2: <laughs> well, let's 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 back it up. But add them up. both together. Let, I mean, let's back it up. Let's about. back it up. So this is this is the situation at hand. The Washington Coast Rivers in Region 6. And honestly, man, I'm just I got a level to you guys. Like I like to get involved in fish politics. I feel there's a necessity for it. I feel like there's a necessity for all you guys listening to this podcast to get involved in fish politics because Honestly, without us and without us pounding, without us doing what we do and and at least uh, giving a voice for these fish and these fisheries, we will not have them. So, you know, at any rate, I got a call from a local guide up north, friend of mine, who said, hey, are you going to listen to the Region 6 Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife Steelhead call tonight It's from 5 to 7? And I'm like, oh, no, but I'm just going to tune into that. I'm just going to tune into that and uh, see what's going on. Just because, you know, I, why not? Um, not well, not much else going on you'
1: take a responsibility <laughs> well yeah I after, mean but yeah, I mean I'll yeah, listen to it yeah.
2: just so so I start listening to it and basically the projections this year for the washington coast for the non um for the non uh, uh, reservation tribal treaty streams I guess I could call them so basically the streams that we can fish without a tribal guide or that mm-hmm. are under without tribal influence um the forecast for those streams are are is really is really depressed in most of them I'd say 80% of them. I'm throwing numbers right now because I don't even understand. Like I don't fish up there that much. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, want to engage in it. I wanted to hear the story. So forecasts are down. Things aren't looking good. You know, for the last 25 years, it seems like the forecasts are like up and then they're down and they're up and down, up and down, like but and this year's just happens to be a down year. Well, the department's been tasked with steelhead handle because even though we release wild steelhead, and that's generally what most of these fishery are, there are some hatchery stocks mixed in. they Claim, and I'll, we'll touch back on this in a minute. They claim that that ten percent of all the steelhead we handle die, <laughs> which is total load of crap.
1: Uh, how many how many dead wild steelhead have you seen on the riverbank? None. In your, Jordan, this yeah, this will bring up. No. I still go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go, cool, go. Cool. I saw on the uh, uh, Captain Quinn, the fellow YouTuber, awesome guy. I've had a ton of respect for him. D- uh Did a thing about catch and release the other day for steelhead, and he, and he claimed one in ten die, and I thought that was still. As a professional right. fisherman, that's still astronomical. So let's take that on right yeah, now. for a I minute think that because, statistic is very wrong we because I've
2: talked to a lot. I'm really good friends with like guys like Bob Kratzer, or guys that are like been guiding on the Olympic Peninsula and Forks. I, I ask him, I go, "How many dead steelhead have you seen in your career playing on the bay? Like how many? And he's like, "I can probably count on one hand what I've seen in 30 years." Yeah, the fish are hardy, but then there's also something called a broodstock program. <clears throat> There's also something called a broodstock program that's occurring down in Oregon where anglers are rowing down the river, catching a steelhead. On most every river now. Well, yeah, it's growing. most every river. It's growing in Oregon. anyways. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, they're going down the river. They're, They're sport handling. They're catching rod and reel bait, however they want to catch them. They're netting the fish. And instead of taking their pictures, letting them go, being just super stoked that they caught an awesome fish, they're taking the net, dragging them to the boat, Throwing them in a live well, rowing them, rowing them the rest of the remainder down the river to live tanks, taking them out of the box, putting them in a net, walking them up a bank that's honestly like surprisingly far from the river. I mean, yeah. It's like, what, 30 yards?
1: Yeah, it's further than I It's idea. a
2: poke. Like the first time I went up that hill, I was like, are you kidding me? Like these fish are going to suffocate and die. But that's what no. they're doing. No. I know. But listen, that's my first thought. I thought it'd be like a <laughs> box right next to the river where you like pulled your boat up. No, you got to hike them bastard. But you, you'll get my point here in a second. You hike them up, then you got to dump them in the tank. Well, then the ODFW and W employees come by, take them out of the tank. They got to capture them again, take them out of the tank, transfer them to a hatchery truck. Then the hatchery truck's got to drive down to the hatchery and then take them out again and put them in a holding pond where they sit for sometimes two or three months. You know what the mortality rate on fish that are handled that much is on, on these wild steelhead? It's less than a steelhead that actually spent some time in the river and swam into the hatchery on its own. Like basically what that's saying is that the sport mortality is not killing these fish. And so they have, first off to have a 10% rate when we are not killing these fish 10%. Now I understand it's good to be cautious. Like I understand that, you know, if we just assume 10% then we can manage our fisheries and we've got a great big buffer in there because we do not want to be hurting these wild steelhead, right? We don't want to be hurting him going back for the last 25 years, 50% of the time we're still making escapement 50% of the time. We're not right. So we're not gaining. We're not losing anything. That 10% model seems to be working for these fisheries. But for the most part, if the fishery is over forecast over that escapement level if the forecast is over that escapement level, excuse me, we can generally fish any of these streams until the middle of April, like a full fledged season, catch and release wild steelhead. And we don't impact them enough to where they really have to shut the fishery down. So, once again, we're now in a situation where that season is too low. So now the state has to basically say, we have to curtail the steelhead handle, the catch, by
1: like 70% in some of these streams. What's driving me nuts about the whole conversation in general is, how many, how on what species of fish that you fish for has more consecutive consistently surprised you on run size than any other <laughs> right? salmonoid species? Well, they don't, they're not all three year fish, they're not all no. the bad forecasted year. Mm-hmm. And there might be three, two salt fish, there might be four salt fish. These fish can come back up to 10 years, if not more, like historically. So, just to even shut it down and automatically kill, like they should have, you know, me, just the way it's just like, Ah, cause panic cause all this havoc nobody's fishing it's like why don't we just see how far off just like we were this fall or five six years ago or any other time they've been off on predictions i don't understand right. how so, the early jump on it is gonna make it less impact so the forecast you know, the forecast people is the, are just gonna go crazy right before it ends and catch every one of them
2: right and but the idea is that they're gonna you know if they fish earlier in the season well let me back you gotta back up one step because the forecast is the forecast that's the number. They have to base the fisheries off the forecast. There's right now those fish, as they are, they're, they're what they call paper fish. They're How not. do they get the forecast? The forecast they use like smolt releases, water levels, ocean conditions, and it's you know it's the same way that they forecast salmon runs and everywhere else. You know, but they don't. I and mean, then like I said, I know you're so asking so it's that. wrong basically because well, it's wrong. They've everywhere been known else. to be wrong before, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah.
1: and they've been surprised. My, my point is like we've said on Your Guys' Home River, which is a great example, why is it not closed at the beginning of the season during the impacted return and then open for the part of the season that they know is strong? Especially in predominantly wild fisheries, you know. I've always been surprised by that. Okay, that that's another subject, but they don't want they don't want us fishing on the reds.
2: Right. So they want fish that are redded up that are very and you know. They
0: could, I, they could leave one section of the river open, and close the rest, that they know the fish spawn in.
2: Completely agree, but you know that right now, like at least with the redded areas, like how aggressive steelhead are when they're on mm-hmm. those bucks are both chase a spoon forty feet for a damn, you know. I get guess out of what here.
1: we're coming down to is the so, gist of it. Is it's hard to make the decision because we all sit right. here and have so, great and, the, ideas, and here's but the other problem. Do any yeah. of
2: them work? Right. And yeah. here's the other problem. Since they are paper fish, right, it doesn't matter how how reflective the sport fishery is in the early part of the season because and what i mean by that is like so let's say the forecast is down and then a bunch of anglers show up to the river like what happened last year in these rivers a bunch of anglers went this is the best steelheading we've seen in the last five or six years especially
1: in zone six Mm,
2: region six six. yes region six yeah i was like zone six yeah region six so yeah you're right exactly and and they all went out and they caught tons of fish but the problem is the state will not use, they will not use the the data that the sport anglers are giving them saying how much, how abundant the fish are in the river. What they will use and what they did in this situation was tribal netting. And in last year's situation, the tribal netting basically, when the tribes would generally net the fish when they're a little lower in the river, the water was high. And so they don't use the sport indicator. They use the tribal indicator. And since the s- tribals didn't catch any fish, they assumed, Oh, there's no fish here. They're still paper fish. They aren't proven fish. They're not real fish. They haven't been handled. They haven't been touched. They haven't been sampled. And they shut the fishery down because always- they basically said "There's no fish. Yeah. Now I think ultimately after the fact that they, they found out, you know, once they did spawning ground surveys and whatnot, that they, they actually did get what they needed. Like, and it, I don't think it was like that far off. Like, I think they under forecast, I think they predicted a bad run, and then they got like just like an okay run. Don't hold me to that, guys. But you get what I'm saying is yeah. that the state is unwilling and unable to use the input of what we're telling them. So basically, they get the forecast and they just have to live by it. That's the Bible, and there you go. Yeah. And they are going to make their decisions based on that. Now, forecast is bad. You got to limit the decisions. How do you do that? And there's ways to do that. You either close rivers, you close by date, or you start dropping restrictions like fishing from a floating device, which is what we were talking about with Marlin. It's really crazy bait, that it took bait. us
0: that long to get back to that point. Right. We should. But
2: be I wanted to put it in context. What? Did I suck at that? <laughs> no. Comment comment on YouTube if I sucked at that. Okay. I'm just trying to like <laughs> yeah. throw it out there for you guys. I want to we had a couple just, of tangent <laughs> moments. Just right, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you so you understand how we've gotten here. So the state is basically dealt the hand. And here and the hand you're playing a game of poker, and you're not dealt a very good one, you still have to play it right? Yeah. And you have to decide if you're going to fold the hand, if you're going to play the hand, like you're going to close the season, or what are you going to do? And now there's like this really big push. And, there, and one way they do it because boat anglers on those streams, on those particular sections are five times more effective than bank anglers when they're handling steelhead. So one of the str- restrictions the state came up with is that, Hey, maybe we should limit fishing from a floating device. Now, a lot of times that, automatically like and even on to be fair in the back of my head that went oh great the fly fish lobby has gotten what they want again the wild fish lobby is now doing it again where they don't even give a rip they're going to depress those numbers down so low and as long as they're hanging right where they at and they can get these restrictions put in place they're happy and they don't care which i truly think that still still, <laughs> <laughs> so and they don't care and ultimately i believe that if you have rivers that are slowly degrading and they're not being sampled and they're not using the sport sampling numbers never mind the fact that guides have to do logbooks now and that they have the data like never mind that and they had it last year too so that's a whole nother tangent lord knows but you have those restrictions and as you start to see these rivers depress and if we're not adding to them you're going to continually to see that including your home river and if those steelhead numbers don't pick up, they're going to start applying those restrictions because their surveys and their state data says that boat anglers are five times more effective at catching and handling steelhead than bank anglers.
0: Oh, where do they get their numbers, for example, like Sports locally surveys. of how many fish are in the river?
2: Uh, stream surveys and convoluted index surveys. And yeah. What is it's that? not real. Yeah. Well, you could, but what else do you have to go off of? How do you count every fish in the river?
1: The data that you've been just giving us, the three or four examples of, and it's it's like insane to think that. But I right. You know, so I've even so taken, here's a well, glance. Most most people at even WDFW or ODFW don't correspond. I, I took one of a colleague of yours fishing, and we had a great day. You know, and I was talking to him. I was telling him about some of these broodstock programs and how they did it in a place like Tillamook, and mm-hmm. he went. I'm like you've never heard, you know, you've never heard how they do that down there. And he goes, no, mm. no, and this was two years mm. ago or or more before this this talk was getting so aggressive. Uh, but he was he did not know. He didn't have a direct line with the ODFW and how yeah. they manage their fishery here. Like they, He had no clue the program even was existing. Through so, through
2: some of the closure stuff, know,
1: I re- through some of the Washington closure stuff, I really case.
2: found out how little Washington and Oregon communicates. At all. <laughs> it's pretty there crazy. There is a river yeah. across. I was it. pretty that's surprised. That's the only relation like, is we live wow, across the river. like, what was the last time you talked to him? He's like, we don't talk. I'm like. You guys are like
1: well, anyways yeah it's time to start you know unifying so, all these these uh, well, that's why programs we're
2: ha- that's why we're having this conversation yeah. right so so the bottom line is so guide calls up says hey listen to the region 6 so i listen into it and the, the the state comes out says these are the problems these are the challenges these are this these are that these are this this is what we're dealing with they had a beautiful presentation and the region 6 director um Jason Losey, i mean did a fantastic job i mean just spelled it out like this is the car this was the hand we're dealt this is what we have to deal with this year. This is this is it. How do we do that? And so now everybody's up in arms trying to figure out. Do the numbers look ridiculous? They're down. The numbers look down, except for like I'm just going to say, it, except for in one, except for in the Quilluute system. Like that's the only one that's looking good, like looking normal, like to where it can we can fish a normal season. And that was one of the options: close everything else and leave that open. But then guess what happens? Everybody goes there. Like, you know what I mean? There's like a lot of... Yeah, there's
0: a lot of rivers on that, though.
2: There is. There is. But now, could you imagine everybody from the West Coast, like, just going to those rivers? No, it'd be insane. Right. So, the problem is you... So, that's what you start... You start doing that game. You start doing that. So, I listened to the meeting, and then it got to public testimony. And people were like, you know, I question this, I question that. And some wild fish guy's like, well, you know, we every one of those rivers we're having a problem has a hatchery. And it's like, well, we put the hatchery there because there was no fish to begin with. It's not the other way around, buddy. But they don't get that. And we're not going to get into that today. And about eight people went on there and they all fought the restriction and they all had tunnel vision and they all did that. And I got finally so pissed off that I like clicked my raise hand button. I was calling the next question and basically ripped into him for five minutes. It was like, why don't you guys fricking do something about it? half the time you guys make escapement, half the time you don't, God forbid you do something to actually improve those fricking runs. And I should use other language here, but I'm not going to because it's a podcast. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you guys, every, you can just flip a coin every year and if it falls tails, you're going to have to deal with this BS. If it falls heads, cool, you're going to go fishing. But every year you're doing this. None, well, not none, I shouldn't say none, but most of those streams are not our non-protected steelhead, where you could do and start implementing broodstock programs. So if there's any point of this podcast at any point of this conversation, it is to stop looking at tunnel vision and start looking forward and start figuring out how we can implement the hatchery system to use it, where it has been successful in many, many other places. And they are absolutely awesome and they perform well in bad years yep. when was the last time the the main river in tillamook hasn't been a two fish deal limit go never can you remember can no. you remember
1: no one thing that's ever closed it down was a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> just non residents though yeah. <laughs> right so
2: you get what i'm saying like we as anglers whether we and and you know what you guys might be listening to this podcast and i want to bring you guys back in you guys might be listening to this podcast, and you might not be on the Washington coast. You might not. I mean, even when at the start of my little diatribe, where I went there and ripped about, talked about the broodstock programs. I'm like, why don't you guys do something different? Die trying, do something, freaking do something. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't care if you fly fish, tribally net, or sport rod. Do something about it. Like, stop putting all the burden of I mean, think about what we do these damn fish. Like, truth be told, like, I, I got off that meeting, and I'm like, you know what? I feel like we probably shouldn't be fishing wild steelhead unless the river has a broodstock program. Mm-hmm. Because you are taking from them. Yeah. You are impacting them. You are hurting them. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. Fine. That's the stupidest Never logic I've ever heard. Never mind. I'm an idiot. You just unless got done have, saying that we right.
0: barely have a mortality rate right. on them. These but, fish are perfectly healthy and fine for us to be fishing on them, and if you think otherwise, right. you're an idiot tree hugger, and don't listen to our podcast.
2: But... Those fish, I'm not talking about what we're just doing to them. Like, we're taking their habitat, yeah, putting yeah, pollution yeah, yeah, in the water. Yeah. There's a lot of other things we're doing to them that's not sport rod mortality. Okay, now you're
0: talking yeah. something so, totally so different. Yeah. <laughs> so please apologize. So please apologize. thank you. Ah. And thank you I thought you, you were <laughs> trying to no, say no, no, not no, no, fishing. Because no. I right. hate when right. people try right. to say we're right. the problem. No. We're not
2: necessarily the Warehouse problem. Warehouser is a problem. We're not, right. cuts, power is a problem. so,
1: but we're But we are adding to it. Even if it is that much, we're still adding to it. They already are fighting those outside. And it's like,
2: and then you look at these programs and you look at these rivers that just kick ass, even in the bad years. And it's like, okay, and guess what? And the biggest part about this, and, and, and then I'll wrap it up and I'll get off my podium. They always do this. I feel <laughs> bad for doing it. And I'm like, I probably sound like an idiot, so I'm sorry, guys. But one of the big things they said is like, if we close these fisheries down on the Washington coast, even the state identifies that they lose their advocates. Like nobody cares more about a wild seal than a sportsman which is hard to believe. Like but truth be told, like that is the case. Like we want them more than pretty much anybody else, right? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. So, and they understand that and it's like, well, you've got these incredibly impressive broodstock programs that have been sport funded, created by sportsmen, volunteer sportsmen like with hatchery staff to to collect fish, move fish, they do tournaments to raise money for the fish. Like and then it also brings the angling community together to help support those whether they're actually catching the fish or not ODFW has to turn down hundreds of requests for people that want to participate in those programs catching those fish because they want to feel like they want to be a part of something
0: and all those rivers have great wild runs and too. they
2: all exactly interesting they all kick ass and Catchery they don't and deal wild coexist. with this crap yeah so there you go and i hope that if anything that this podcast said, it's just like, pay attention, folks. Do some research. Do some research. Get involved. Even if it's not your area, you need to be sounding the alarm. And then, you know what? Because your area, whether you're a steelheader on the West Coast, and like I said, I don't even know if you guys deal with this stuff in Michigan and Iowa. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if they deal with know. it in
0: the Midwest, but I have a feeling they probably do. I'm
2: sure rivers right. sure get the shut the down summary. and stuff. Right. And I mean, it's like... But pay attention to it and not and don't get tunnel vision and focus on like this year. Like if you identify the problem, don't just try to catch the last fish. Like look, look more forward and have a more like have a 30,000 foot view and realize like, OK, we need to be asking for this so we don't have to make these shitty ass decisions later on. There you go. Mic drop. Mic drop. drop. Boom.
0: Well, we appreciate all you guys listening. We got to go over here and record a live feed. If you guys don't watch every single Wednesday at 6 30 p.m., or when we're late because we're recording this podcast. <laughs> but either way, Wednesdays roughly 6 30, you can watch our live feed. So thanks again for tuning in, everyone. will see you on the river. Maybe.